that. And I'll be up there praying. So I know some, several of you will be up there. It'd be good to get together as a church uh, family of billings. I look forward to that. I'm in a series here called The Dove Awards, Mark chapter 1. And uh, we've been studying the Holy Spirit. Now, I, I don't know you can ever really know enough about the Holy Spirit. Um, there's an ongoing relationship that you have with him. It's sort of like having a wife. You know, the longer you're married, the more you get to know him and you learn stuff all the time. And that's the way it is with God. I want to read Mark chapter 1, verse 9, 10, 11, and then I'm going to pray. It says, It came to pass in those days that Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And immediately coming up from the water, he saw the heavens parting and the Spirit descending upon him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Amen. Let's pray. Father, this morning we just thank you for the Holy Spirit who's active, he's real, he's ongoing. I pray that your presence would be with us in unique ways and dynamic ways. Give us ears to hear, give us eyes to see this morning. Help us know what you're saying to us today. We thank you for your presence. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody said, amen and amen. I was thinking back about life growing up in the country. I did love growing up out there in the country. And you, you know, when you're a kid in the country, the rite of passage is to have a BB gun. Come on, somebody. Now, I do remember the first bird I ever shot. Plucked him right off a telephone pole. And then I had to go shoot that thing like three or four more times because he just wouldn't die. And I thought to myself, I shouldn't be doing this, man. I started feeling bad, like, oh, this poor bird, I'm, you know. And then I thought, you know, I'm just being too sensitive about this. He's just a bird. You got to kill magpies out in the country. <laughs> but, you know, a lot of people are not sensitive when it comes to the one bird that matters, which is the dove, the Holy Spirit. And I think it's just so interesting that in the 10th verse here, the Spirit descended upon Jesus like a dove. I mean, he, he was manifested. The Holy Spirit chose to manifest himself in the form of a dove. That is such an interesting thing that he, you know, he revealed himself that way. Ever think about that? Why did he choose to reveal himself in the symbol of a dove? Why was it that he chose that symbol um, you know, to, to, to reveal himself, manifest himself? And I am no ornithologist, which means I don't study birds for a living. Uh, but I did a little study about you know, doves and found out that uh, most people just assume that pigeons and doves are, are, are similar. They're like the same animal. And I guess uh, in the taxidermy species-wise, that's kind of true. I mean, the, the real difference is linguistically. But there are some subtle differences between pigeons and doves. And you know, a lot of it has to do with just basically the temperament of a dove. For instance, a dove is a very shy animal. It's the shyest bird. It's not an aggressive bird. Pigeons, on the other hand, they, they are more aggressive about things. Doves are shy and doves are peaceful. Uh, doves are also not territorial. Pigeons tend to be territorial. If you, if you really look at some of the nuances between a turtle dove, like mentioned in the Bible, and pigeons... Turtle doves have better diets. They'll eat mostly nuts and fruits, whereas uh, pigeons, they tend to eat just any old thing. And doves, they, believe it or not, they, they have some purity in them. They, they will only have one mate for life, but pigeons will mate in various places. So, You know, your average Joe may not understand some of those differences, and, and, and you know, you look at it and you think, well, that, that's the same animal. But sometimes I think people get caught up in what I would call pigeon religion, rather than just understanding the work of the dove, uh, the, the, the simple, beautiful aspect of this 
creature. And I think it's amazing that this is the way the Holy Spirit chose to reveal himself. So I want to give you three things that the New Testament says about the dove. And these are notable things the New Testament says. So I'm going to keep a finger here, and I want you to flip over to the book of Ephesians chapter 4. And I'm just kind of looking at some of the nuances, some of the delicate things Scripture is going to reveal about the dove, the third person of the Holy Spirit, and how we can relate with him. So Ephesians 4 and verse 30, Scripture tells us, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom it says you were sealed for the day of redemption. So the first thing I want to highlight about doves is that the dove, the Holy Spirit, he can be grieved. And when we're talking about being grieved, we're talking about you know that, that feelings that get hurt or, or sense of sorrow, uh, a distress that takes place. He says, don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God. You know, doves are sensitive birds, very, very sensitive birds. In fact, that's how the Holy Spirit is. And there's a certain level of sensitivity. We can almost say hypersensitivity in your heart that's required for you to have a relationship with him and, and understand his ways and know him. I think it's interesting that in the book of Isaiah chapter 7 and verse 30, the scripture says that you can wear out the Holy Spirit. You can weary him. I think we weary him many times with our lack of sensitivity. And I'm a simple man. At least that's what I tell my wife or other people. That's what I'll tell them when I need to get out of something or make an excuse. Said here about. So being a simple man, I can only read the context of what is said here about grieving the Holy Spirit. And it's very clear how that happens. It tells us right in this next verse to let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking. Someone say evil speaking. Be put away from you with all malice. He, he said, don't engage in that kind of talk. The 29th verse talks about corrupt words coming out of your mouth. So if you want to know the way that you can grieve the Holy Spirit, it has to do a lot of times with the bitterness and, and, and the words that are coming out of your mouth. I mean, it's, it's kind of clear right here that grieving him may have to do with that big mouth that you have, talking so much. You know, I, I did read the book of Proverbs and it tells us in the 10th chapter uh, that the more you're talking, the more you're sinning. <laughs> I found that to be problematic for people like myself. Can I get a witness from somebody? <laughs> that, you know, what I have had a personal frustration with in my quiet time or time with God is that I might enc encounter the presence of the Lord in a powerful way. Like, I might be reading the Bible and and spending time with him, like on a cold, wintry day by a fire, and you've got a nice warm tea, and you just can sense God's presence, and he's there with you. You've had those moments where you just sense him. But the sad truth is, it doesn't always last forever. It, it, it will linger and for everybody. Why that happens, I'm not always sure. But I have discovered that many times his presence will leave or he'll depart from me when I might grieve him because I'm saying things with bitterness or negativity or I'm saying something. And, and this is something like I've just kind of more and more become aware of and in, inclined to see in my life. This happened to me last Sunday. I was sitting in the back row during the worship team. My sister Amanda came, we started talking, and I don't even remember what we said. It wasn't anything that was like nasty or critical, but I started sensing that the presence of the Lord just started leaving from where I felt. 
And I started thinking to myself, no, 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 no. Like, like I, I must be grieving him in something that I said. And, and I, I kind of caught wind of it. And I, I'm telling you, that's where a lot of people, you, you got to be sensitive to where he's at in your life. Because if you're using bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, gossip, any, like, you, you might just sense that his presence is moving. You're, you're grieving him. I discovered this also like when you have maybe carnal conversations with people. So there are some people you'll talk to and man, they'll start cutting up and joking and saying things and it might be dirty and you might laugh at it. You might even engage with it. And it's like, it just kind of leaves me with this feeling like, oh, I I, I feel like I'm further from the Lord. I I sense his presence, not right there. And it, it has to do so much with the words that you're saying. Now, I'll tell you one interesting place where I've really noticed this. And it has to do with like ministry time at altars. You know, I, I love to pray for people. And, and I, when I'm in that moment and the anointing comes on, you might have a word that you share with somebody. But I think sometimes preachers try so hard, maybe too hard, and feel pressure to maybe have a word for somebody. And I've noticed as I'm praying for people, I might have a word for somebody or the next person. And, and, and then I might not get one for the next person, but you're tempted to almost step in and say something. And I've had moments where that's happened, and I could just sense the dove leaving. Like, I could feel his presence just lifting in that situation. It has to do with maybe you're, you know, speaking into something that you shouldn't be too much. There is a verse in, you know, 1 Corinthians 12, I believe it's verse 9. It says, the gifts of the Spirit operate as the Spirit wills. It doesn't operate just because you say something or felt something. It's, It's from the sovereignty of the Holy Spirit speaking something in a moment. And it takes sensitivity to understand when to release something, what to say. It takes real sensitivity to know I might be grieving him with something that I'm saying. Another thing it says here in the 32nd verse is that we should also be kind to one another and tenderhearted. You know, God is grieved uh, in the poor treatment of other people. And I learned this in the second grade, man. I remember we had a kid at school who, I guess he didn't shower because we sat around that merry-go-round and made fun of him. And I remember how horrible he felt. And I had to, I felt so convicted about it. I felt guilty even now. I remember having to go and apologize. He said I was the only one that apologized. Because... Because poor treatment of other people, when you don't live by the golden rule and love people, that, that, that's when it can grieve a dove. It says that you should forgive as God in Christ has forgiven you. A lack of forgiveness will grieve him. When you get hard-hearted, when you don't want to hear something. And I, you know, I've had this happen with my wife, Elizabeth. Now, on occasion, we do have arguments. I know you find that hard to believe. But it's like I'll have to tell her, hey, don't argue with me on a Thursday morning. Because that's when I like to get sermon prep done. And how many times have I been in the middle of sermon prep after I've just had an argument with Elizabeth and I can't hear what the Lord is saying. I don't sense the dove around me at all. I feel just frustrated, angry, and I want to just let her have it. But I have found that if I can't get through that, I really have a hard time putting stuff together. And so I've just learned over the years, I forgive, I'll go back, I'll make it right. It's amazing how the presence of God will come to you when you make something right with somebody. And I'm just telling you, in your life, as you're going through relationships with people, you can grieve the Holy Spirit. You grieve Him in corrupt words, in in engaging in conversation that's not pleasing to Him, in a hard heart that doesn't forgive people. This is one of the ways that we can grieve the Holy Spirit. You don't want to grieve Him. You want to know Him. Now, let me give you another notable thing that the New Testament says, because we're studying the dove. That's how He revealed Himself in the New Testament. Uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. I do like I do like this verse, 1 Thessalonians 5, 19, just, a, just a, a tiny little verse that if you're not careful, you might read over. It says that we should not quench the Holy Spirit. 
So a dove can be grieved and a dove can be quenched, like, like extinguished, like, like you put a fire extinguisher on something. And it's like, you know, pouring water on a campfire. And this is what the Pharisees tried to do with Jesus. They wanted him to be quiet. They did everything they could to, to quench the work that was taking place. Now, the difference between grieving the Holy Spirit and quenching the Holy Spirit, it has to do with internal and external things. Grieving him has to do with internal attitudes of the heart and things that you might say, because you know the heart is connected to your mouth, and out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So if you've got negative attitudes, if you've got particularly bitterness or anger, that can grieve him. But you quench him when you outwardly object to his manifestations. When you see things taking place and you start getting uncomfortable or frustrated, or you don't think God is at work, and so you, you kind of get you know, this attitude of, of like being cynical or a scoffer at the work of God. And I've seen this play out in people's lives, you know. Uh, you can quench him with unbelief. It is so interesting that even Jesus himself in Matthew 13 could do no mighty work there because of the unbelief of people. I mean, that is an incredible verse. So, you know, you, you can quench him if you're going to be hard-hearted. I'll never forget preaching one Sunday morning, maybe like two, three years ago, and I was talking about spiritual gifts because we believe that God is operating in that way today. I mean, I embrace the gifts of the Spirit. And I was telling the church that we're not a cessationalist church. We, we believe that God is still working and speaking today. And a young man, it was actually a young couple on the back row, got so angry about it. I could just see him curling up, frustrated, almost frothing at the mouth. And I, you know, it's hard to minister in situations like that. And, you know, he never did come back. But through the magic of Facebook, I found out that his wife left him because she said he was too controlling. Now she's with a guy who's not very controlling. <laughs> and it made me think about, like, if you're going to be that controlling with the things of God, how wouldn't you be that way with a spouse? I mean, you, you don't want to be in a situation where you're closed off. Think about some of the manifestations that are in the Bible that Scripture speaks about the work of the Holy Spirit. So one of the things that happens to people is, is they get what we call slain in the Spirit. You lay hands on somebody and they might fall out under the power of God. I've seen that happen, and I've had it happen to me on a real way. And it often happens when you're not thinking about it. People say, where is that at in the Bible? And I would just point them to John 18. When Jesus was in the garden and a garrison of Roman soldiers came for him looking for Jesus, and he said, I am here, I am he. And when he said that, they all fell out. And in the, in the New Old Testament, when the glory of God showed up at the temple, they couldn't even stand up. It appears that sometimes when God's presence is manifest in certain ways, your physical flesh simply cannot handle it. And you might just have a moment with God where he overwhelms you. I know that might be hard for you to handle, but that's what the scripture seems to indicate. Sometimes those things happen. I think probably the most common way that the Holy Spirit starts manifesting in people is when they start weeping or get teary-eyed about something. Man, I remember Elisha in the Bible. He gave a word to, to the king... Hazel of Syria that he was anointing, and he started crying because he said, I see what you're going to do. He was overwhelmed by God's presence. And man, I got this Aunt, Aunt Marcia, my Aunt Marcia. Every time we start singing, she starts tearing. I can tell if the presence of the Lord is there because Marcia's crying. Got makeup on her face. And that just, that's God's presence that overwhelms people sometimes like that. You know, I mean, sometimes when the presence of God shows up, people actually start trembling, they start shaking. Do you realize Daniel in the Bible? He had visitations and encounters with God that rattled him so much. He, he, he just shook 
He, didn't, he was physically ill for days. He was shaking. In the book of Acts, they prayed, and the place that they were assembled was shaken. Now, I've never been to a prayer meeting like that. I'd like to go to one. Sometimes the train drives down the place here. You feel it shaking. You know, I'd like to be in a meeting where the Holy Ghost shows up so much the place starts shaking. I mean, that happened in the Bible. Yeah? You know, one of the uh, incredible ways he shows up is when people get joy. They get laughter in their hearts. They, they laugh. You might not find this flattering about myself, but I did make an observation. I was like, a couple meetings I've been to recently, I had some ministers lay hands on me. And, and, and as they were praying for me, I noticed I started laughing and giggling. And it was like, I hadn't even noticed that. It's just something that just started stirring up in me. I guess it's because, you know, I used to like to party and I still don't mind getting drunk in the Holy Ghost. Come on, somebody. <laughs> I started giggling about it. You know, it could have been the last guy, though. He was from Norway. And he, he came over to pray for me. And he came over and he kissed my cheek and laid hands on me. And that did make me laugh a little bit, you know. But he was from Norway. I took it like it was the Holy Spirit. I took it from the Lord. Yeah. You, you know, uh, he, he will manifest himself in some ways. Now, one way that he might manifest himself that really could make you uncomfortable is when people start screaming. And the reason they might start screaming is because there might be a demonic spirit that's present. I've been to India and I've been to America, and I've seen when people get delivered from demons, they actually do scream because they're tormented in some way. And that was in the Bible. People got tormented from spirits. They would scream when they got delivered. Another way he shows up is when you might have a sensation of heat on your head, like in the book of Acts, there's cloven tongues of fire appeared to people. It might be on your hands. I've had tingling sensations on my hands where I felt great heat. It might be in your heart. You know, I've seen people who get so hot, they start sweating. And what that is, is the power and the presence of the Lord when he shows up in situations. And if you're going to be bitter, cynical, and, and judge the work of God, I'm telling you, you might be in a dangerous situation. Now, I had an uncle, his name was Ralph Wilkerson. And he had a large church in California. He, he was in what's known as the charismatic movement. This is the 1960s. This is when Lutherans and Congregationalists and Episcopalians started getting filled with the Holy Spirit. And God was moving like that in those days. And so they'd see unusual manifestations. He, he, he was, this is the 60s and 70s. And he told the story one time about a, a man at his church. They, they were having services, and a guy stood up in the back row. He gave a word in tongues, which nobody does in churches anymore because we get uncomfortable with it. And, and so he, he said some things in the back and, and, and stood up, and there was an interpreter there that, you know, it was the gospel. The, the interpreter got up and shared the gospel. And unbeknownst to Uncle Ralph, after the service closed, a man from India came down to the front row and said, how did the guy who was saying that language know my native tongue in India, a tongue that is no longer in the world today? He said, that language has died up. It's ancient. No one knows it, but for the first time, I've heard the gospel. I heard it in my native tongue. What do I need to do to be saved? I mean, it was the manifestation of God's Holy Spirit at work. Uncle Ralph told me in those days, like, people didn't know what to think of it. He got very criticized. He said that, you know, they were attributing that work to the work of Satan. There was a pastor in town who befriended him, but got very upset with him and began to accost him and criticize him. And Uncle Ralph said he was horrified and shocked to find that the man died a week later. Out of the blue. Put the fear of God in his heart. Man, these can be holy moments. And I'm telling you, we got like a generation right now that has never really experienced God moving on a dynamic level like that. And I think the church is ripe for a sweeping move of God. And all that stands in the way of it is going to be religious people who get uncomfortable and, and, and will say, no, that can't be of the Lord. 
I'm telling you, you got dangerous grounds when you, you quench the Holy Spirit. I do want to remind you, though, what the next verses say. Test all things. Hold fast what is good. I'm not saying you just openly embrace everything. Because we got some shenanigans that take place. You got to be discerning. Wise as a serpent and harmless as a. You got to know. You got to be discerning. So this is just how the Holy Spirit works. You don't want to grieve him, but you don't want to quench him. These are notable things in the New Testament. Now, let's go back to Mark chapter 1 here. And I want to highlight for you a third thought here. And I love verse number 12. Immediately, it says. The Spirit drove Jesus. Think about that. The Holy Spirit drove Jesus into the wilderness. That, that's a really interesting verse. And what it tells me is the dove can also be your guide. You can grieve him. You can quench him. But the best thing about him is that he is a personal guide to you. And this word drove him. It's an old English word, impelled. It's like an internal pushing on you. It's, it, he was compelled by the Holy Spirit. He, it, it's like something in him was, was pushing him to do that. And I, I think about what Paul experienced. Acts chapter 16, he was with a little slave girl who had a demonic spirit, and it says he was greatly annoyed. Something in him was just troubled by that. It, it was like, mm, it, it was pushing on. I, I like what Romans chapter 8 says, as, if, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. This is the beautiful thing about the New Testament. His Spirit has come to indwell in us, and on a personal level, dealing with the dove, He wants to be your guide. The Holy Spirit wants to be there with you to hold your hand in moments. Now, I don't want to brag about myself, but you know, I was a two-time uh, geography B champion at Elder Grove School. Uh, I took fourth place at state in the eighth grade. If I wasn't preaching, I might be a topographist because I like maps. I could look at maps all day. Drives my wife nuts. I just like maps. You know what's better than maps, though, is a personal guide. Maps only take you so far, but a guide, they can really help you. I never forget being in India, and I was with this woman named Renuka, 80-something years old. She spoke the King's English because she was an elementary English teacher. Thank God for that. And she guided me through the Temple of Sai Baba on a tourist trip, so she you know, helped understand what idols that we were looking at and helped us not to bow before them. <laughs> Thank God for that. I could have had a map. I would have got lost. But this woman helped guide us through so you could see how people live in certain parts of the world. Now, speaking of India, man, they got the craziest, craziest road systems over there. Anyone ever been to India? I'll never forget, I met a guy who was working the Crusades with us. He spoke English. And he told me, he, he said, I've been to America. I said, yeah, what part? He said, Dallas. He said, Dallas is a small town compared to India. <laughs> he said, your driving disciplines in America are amazing. Now, because in India, they got no rules. So they got, you know, no lanes painted on the street. You got eight roads coming at you every which way. Some people are in rickshaws. Some people have oxen pulling carts filled with hay and children hanging off of them. Some people drive cars, buses. Motorcycles, some people on foot. I'm telling you, there's no rules. And, and everything piles into one. It's the craziest thing you've ever seen. So one night when we were in Shirdi, which is the, the, a Hindu city where we were doing some work, it's a you know, vegetarian town. And I was like, man, I could really use something other than vegetables right now. So we found a coconut stand. Nothing better than cold coconut water on a hot Indian day. And so I thought, well, i got to get across the street. Now, crossing the street in India is no joke, man. 
I mean, you, you know, I, I recorded it on my phone, so my, wi- my wife rebuked me afterward. <laughs> I mean, I had to sprint through three lanes of cars and traffic, and they don't stop for you. You just got to make sure they don't hit you. So I prayed. I said, Lord, help me. And he was like a guide to get me right across that troubling situation. And I thank God that I did get some coconut water, and we're all right, man. He was right there with me. But I, I'm telling you, in life, you'll find yourself in these hairy moments, and you need that guide, the Holy Spirit, to be with you and help you navigate through some tricky moments. Yeah. Now, it says that he, he drove him, impelled him. It's like this internal struggle taking place. Now, this happened to me when uh, we were about to have a third child. You know, Elizabeth wanted three kids, and I, when I married her, I said, I want two. She said, oh, baby, me too. Well, she lied to me. So she had been praying to have a third child. And I wanted, I was like, no, man, no, it's a lot of work. Well, I felt the Lord, I felt the Holy Spirit push me, push me, push me. It was like a wrestling match. I could not get rid of this impression battling within me. It was like the Lord leading me. So we have a beautiful baby girl. She's four years old. I'm grateful we did. Now Elizabeth is praying for a dog. I don't have an internal struggle. I just don't have that. I, think, I don't think the Lord's leading me that way. I got no wrestling match like that. He, he'll, he'll push you. He, he'll drive you. He drove Jesus. Think about that. And, and another way he leads you is he leads you with peace. Man, I love what the scripture says. You know, He leads you beside the still waters. I felt that this morning. The peace of God will be there. And, and he, by still waters, he restore your soul. You know, that's actually the reason I married Elizabeth. Because I went up to Canada... I started getting cold feet. I know you might be surprised by that because she's beautiful and wonderful. I was like, ha, I started getting scared. But I felt such peace. And I said, man, if I can't be happy with Elizabeth, I can't be happy with nobody. And I felt God's peace and the rest is history. Here we are all these years later. The peace of God. Um, He drove Jesus into the wilderness. He had to have some sense of peace. He had to have some internal thing. And it tells us, interestingly enough, that He went into the wilderness 40 days, tempted by Satan, and was there with the wild beasts, and the angels ministered to him. I mean, that is an interesting verse. He was pushed there, and it was so challenging, so troubling, so difficult for him that angels had to show up and minister to him. And yet it says that God drove him there. God led him there. And I know some people, they don't know that that's the way that God might lead you, but I'm here to tell you, he might take you into some difficult seasons. He might take you into dry places, but he's doing that because he's working something. It doesn't say here in Mark, but in Matthew, it says that Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit. And when you've been through difficult moments, difficult times at the hand of God, when he led you into a place that maybe wasn't comfortable, maybe the devil even showed up to attack you, he will bring you through it in a place where you come back with power. That's what he's working on. He wants to strengthen you. He wants to build you up. And listen, he knows how to do this. The Holy Spirit has the ability to know where to take you by the hand, help you cross that street, and it might be scary and daunting, but you'll get to a coconut stand. Come on, somebody. <laughs> he knows what he's doing. You know, the, the, the Holy Spirit will lead you through truth. I like what it says. He'll guide you into all truth. And that, that's what he does. He, he knows how to help your conscience convict you so that you know right from wrong. And this is as much the Holy Spirit as anything. When you sense right and wrong, and he's right there to help that conscience guide you. I know this because I remember, you know, when I was a backslidden, rebellious young man, and my mother would pray for me, and and she'd, you know, speak to me, and I had her voice in my head, 
And her voice in my head through the conscience and through the Holy Spirit would tell me, don't sleep with that girl. You're going to get her devils. <laughs> and it terrified me. I could, I could not, the haunting sensation, and it kept me in a life of purity. Because I had a mom who'd speak to me, and I had a conscience, and I had the Holy Spirit that was there with me in truth. That's what truth will do. It'll help you make good decisions and determine things in life. Now, I, uh, <laughs> I still don't think it was wrong to shoot that magpie when I did. I felt bad about that a little bit. But I, I, it was like, you know, you can shoot birds in the country. Here's what I sensed, though, in my heart. I, 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 felt, I was praying for people a few weeks ago to get deeper in the Holy Spirit. I was praying for them. And I'm telling you, if you want to get deeper in the things of God, you better watch your mouth. If you want to grow deeper, maybe get out of that attitude of bitterness and frustration and resentment. I mean, that, that, that can be the thing that's really hindering your walk with God. That's where you might have that, ah, man, something in your heart's not right. You want to grow deeper? Watch your words in your mouth. Don't let bitterness creep into your life, man. Don't let cynicism be. And if it's easy for the pastor to grieve the Holy Spirit, how much more the rest of us? Like I work with him. I'm with him every day. And if I notice I'm doing things that are driving him off, I mean, think about that. It's tricky to walk with him. You better be very sensitive, but he wants to be there in your life. Yeah. Or, or maybe you feel like you might have been questioning him. Like that's an outward manifestation, something you might get frustrated. You, you, you can always tell someone who is a bit religious because when things get noisy, they get uncomfortable. They start getting angry. They don't want to hear it, don't want to think about it. They might, you know, be, be, be upset about something. And I'm telling you, you want to be in a place where you're open to the Lord. Doesn't mean that you're naive, but you want to have a heart that is receptive to the things of God and, and open to his leading and, and hearing his voice. And, and you want to be in a place where he's your guide and he's leading you. How many of you want the Lord to lead you? How many of you are going through some things? You need his help. You need him here. You need him there. You need him to be with you in every moment. And I want him to guide me more and more. What, would I, what decisions would I make if I listened to him more? If I was more sensitive to the Holy Spirit, think about how that would affect your business, your relationships. Just be open to his voice. He'll make you make good decisions. He'll bring you through difficult seasons. That's what he wants. And I feel him right here, and I want to pray for you. I want to pray that we all become more sensitive to him. We're all more open to the Holy Spirit because he's here with us right now. You feel him? Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you. Spirit of the living God, that you're filling us up head to toe, I pray it, head to toe. People who have not yet been filled with the Holy Spirit are about to get filled with the Holy Spirit in this church. And I, I thank you for temperatures that are rising and increasing in the things of God. We're hungry for it. We want it. We want your leading. We want your guiding. We want your truth. We want you to speak to us. Give us a heart to hear. Give us eyes to see. Give us sensitivity. Help us be aware of that dove that's in our hearts and minds in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Mm. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. I love the Holy Spirit. I want him in my life. Now, I'm sorry we had a packed Sunday today. Caleb's leaving. Food trucks. You know what else we have is back to school. And I'm going to invite the kids in here because we want to pray over them. You know, the last time I had the kids in the service, you know what it was? It was in June on something called Pentecost Sunday. Come on in, kids. And I noticed that then I was also preaching on the Holy Spirit. That's interesting. I got the kids in the service and we preached on the Holy Spirit. And I feel like I want to pray over these children because we need a protective barrier around these guys for what 
lies ahead of them in the school systems and in their education. It is such a crucial time in life, man. All these kids, look at these kids. They're so precious. And I just feel like the dove is going to be with them. I want to pray for sensitivity. I want to pray that they would be open to the things of God, that their hearts would be stirred up and soft before him. And if anyone ever needed prayer, man, it's children in this day and hour. You agree with that? Yeah, let, let, let's, let's just pray with these kids. we got some gifts for them, Julie and, and David. If you, if you pray, we'll start passing these out. But man, this is a crucial moment. And, and the Holy Spirit, just like I prayed over you, the Holy Spirit is here with these children. So I pray, Lord, right now in Jesus' name that you'd guide their ways. Lord, I pray for sound minds, renewed minds, minds that love you, minds that are not corrupted by a, a, a wicked education system, but minds that are open. And I pray, Lord, that they would even find Christian friends and Christian teachers to be influences on them. I pray their hearts and minds open. We thank you for protective barriers, hedges of protection upon them. Lord, I thank you in Jesus' name. These are going to be world shakers. In Jesus' name, they're going to turn the world upside down. I thank you, Lord, that no weapon formed against them is going to prosper in Jesus' name, right? Yes. We say that they're wise and blessed. We declare upon them the favor of God. I thank you for the word of the Lord and their hearts and minds that are going to keep them safe and guide them all the days of their lives. Thank you for your protection upon them. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen and amen. Woo, I feel the Holy Spirit here. I'm grateful for these kids, man. Think about that. We got some stuff for you to take to school. You can take. So if you start passing those out, you're going to pass them out that way. It's easier that way. All right. So, listen, these kids are precious, man. Look at what we have here. Think about all these children. This is a great amount of kids for our church. And I just feel like God is going to bless them mightily in the days ahead. Amen? So, all right. I'll let you all take off here. Go ahead, guys. Thank you for coming in. What a precious, precious time to be here. Amen. All right. Hey, we all grateful.